Chris from Tennessee. I just finished the Covenant Half Marathon, and after listening to three hours of your podcast on my run, I have come to the conclusion that Brittany is the best part. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right, welcome to the show and thank you for joining us for this 290th episode of I Doubt It with Dollamore. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, sitting across from me, the greatest dancer that has ever lived, <laughs> my lovely co-host, jamming out to the earth, the wind, and the fire, Brittany Page. What a dick. <laughs> what a I just dick. like to give the audience... Kind of a window yeah. into who Brittany Page is mm-hmm. right before the show begins. Yeah. And that means that I'm a groovin'. You were a groovin'. Eyes closed and a groovin'. Yes. <laughs> anyway, how I want to start the t- today's program. Program. Brittany Page. Mm-hmm. Is I want to regale the audience of the conversations that we the conversation uh-huh. that we listened to this weekend okay at the establishment where alcohol was served mm. and i just found it interesting we listened to a a a couple of gentlemen uh-huh having a conversation about female comedians yes and they weren't even being quiet about it and about the re- their hate. Yeah, it was very weird. Probably a couple of MRAs. Men's rights activists. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, they were they were going on and on about how they don't like Amy Schumer. They don't like Sarah Silverman. Mm-hmm. There was one other that I didn't recognize, but it just it's a weird argument that I I actually hear a lot. It's it's something I people that I've talked to personally who have this opinion. Mm-hmm. And it always usually centers, it always usually, Brittany. Yeah. It always usually. Really specific. How definitive is that? Yeah. It usually uh, revolves around them not liking a woman who tells like dick jokes or fart jokes or poop jokes. Yeah. Well, they claim that it's all the same, right? Oh, Amy Schumer, she just tells dirty jokes. It's all the same. Right, right. Okay, how many male comedians do that? That's exactly right. Well, she just, a woman, she's just giving her perspective of being a person. Yeah. And telling funny anecdotes based on her experiences. Yeah, or they say that she talks about sex too much. Well, women also have sex. That's exactly right. So it's not just Louis C.K. that can talk about masturbating and having sex. It's also and everything else. Yeah, it's women also do those things. It's... It's like a puritanical, ooh, the ladies need to be proper and they cannot speak about these issues. I wanted to jump in. I didn't because you wouldn't let me. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to to jump in and like, really, what is she supposed to talk about? I was making a souffle the other day in the kitchen and oh my gosh, it was the craziest thing that happened. Right. What what are women supposed to make jokes about? Laundry? It's just a weird, it's fucking weird. Well, and that's why I say they were probably MRAs, 
men's rights activists because I hear this a lot from which, that which, type of guy. That's a real movement, by the way. Yeah, they, they feel threatened by feminism. So it's men's rights activism. It's very strange. It's a very strange phenomenon. I don't know. what What is it? How long has it been around? I don't know. I, I don't know either. I know MRA has been an acronym for... A few years. Yeah, so it just seems like men who are angry, they got slighted by a woman at some point, and now they're lashing out. I don't know. I haven't analyzed it that much. I'm really just making a, a blanket judgment based on the handful of men that I would categorize as men's rights activists. Oh, well, also those dick faces at the bar. Yeah, it's just like a certain type of guy. I don't know if people have had experience with this, but... You know it when you see it. Because let me tell you, Amy Schumer is funny. Yeah, she's very funny. Sarah Silverman, I think, is one of the funniest people on the planet. Yeah. And of course, just like with anybody else, there's going to be things that you don't find funny. That happens with all comedians. Yeah. So to make this this blanket judgment, I'm saying it again, that um, Amy Schumer is not funny. Right. That seems to be coming from some other place it's not about yeah, it's, her it's not about her it's, it's not about how funny that, or not funny she is right it's something that she's bringing out in you there's a you're responding to her you're having a reaction to her based on your own issues right it's yeah. not about her yeah so figure out what that is okay mras <laughs> figure that out i don't we probably don't have a ton of them <laughs> who are listening to the show i right know now. i don't know Maybe they're sitting outside the studio window <laughs> and seething with anger right now. Yeah, I'm just hoping the message gets to them somehow. <laughs> right? Right. Well, because they all joined the alt-right, I think. Not all of them, but... They are. There is kind of that troll element yeah. to them. Yes. Yeah, that's that's actually a, a very astute observation. I think I have had some of them lash out Hang at on. me. For a lady, that was a good point, Brittany. You made a really good point for being a lady. Oh, thank you. Usually you just kind of sit there prettily and 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 nod your head. Yeah. You know, being a... A being dumb a, laid a and lady. all. Yeah, yeah. Just a dumb laid. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, let's get this fucking train rolling down the tracks. Chugga, chugga. Ch what? I don't know. Mm. Let's get to some voicemails <laughs> and some emails before this train derails. Hi, guys. Uh, this is Steven from Northern California, and I just got done listening to your most recent episode, and I wanted to talk to you about the asshole of today, the school board decision to not let this mother attend a daddy-daughter dance with her daughter. As a father who will, in fact, be attending a daddy-daughter dance with his daughter this weekend, I want to say that it's kind of heartbreaking to hear that this young girl who, through no fault of her own, is being forced to grow up without a father in her life. And here this mother is, sorry, I'm trying not to get emotional. Here this mother is trying to do her best to make the, make the best of a bad situation by ensuring that her daughter gets to participate in what is, if you really think about it, a, a rite of passage for young kids, preteens and teenagers, their first school dance. It's a big moment for them. I remember my first school dance, as I'm sure a lot of people do. It's a big moment in a kid's life. And here this mother is just trying to ensure that her daughter gets the same experiences as all the other kids who do have dads in their lives. And I think that it's really 
really fucking shameful that this school board made this decision, especially waiting till an hour before the dance was set to start to drop this bombshell and, oh, nope, sorry, even though you've gone out and gotten your dress and your suit and gotten your hair done and everything, never mind all the money you spent preparing for this dance, we're going to wait till an hour before it starts to tell you you can't come. If that shit happened at my daughter's school, not only would we not be attending, but I would gather as many parents as I could to walk the fuck out and ensure that that school board understands that no matter what kind of family you have, whether it's two dads, two moms, one dad, one mom, or the traditional nuclear family, you are welcome to participate in any school activity you so choose. And for them to hide behind, oh, well, there, there's other activities that they can participate in, fuck that. Every kid should be allowed to participate in any event, no matter what their family looks like. Sorry for getting worked up. That's my rant. Thanks, as always, guys. Thanks for bringing this story to light. I really appreciate that. It was really cool of you guys to share that story with people. Have a good one, guys. So I think that Stephen is taking care of his. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Well, listen, <laughs> I like that kind of passion. Well, one, sometimes we'll get voicemails, and it seems like they're just putting on. It's like, oh, I finally get an opportunity to say fuck a whole bunch. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think this was one of those moments. I those think, were effective fucks. Yes, effective fucks, Brittany. Yeah. Not gratuitous. No. Well-placed fucks. Yes. Precision fucks, if you will. Meaningful fucks. <laughs> mm-hmm. Genuine yeah. fucks. Mm-hmm. We are... Fucks to celebrate. Celebratable fucks. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Anyway, listen, I, I love the passion because very poignant what he said there. No matter yes. what their family looks like. And right. that's really what this was about. Yeah, because these ideas are left over from this traditional mindset. And well, families don't look like this anymore. There's two moms they're in left families over now. from when uh, America was great, quote unquote. Right, whatever. Back in Donald Trump's day. Yeah, now you have two mommies you have two daddies. Right. You have one mommy. You have an aunt that's raising the kid. You have an uncle that's raising the kid. Sure. There's all kinds of different situations. And this, I don't know, holding out for these archaic ideals of this nuclear traditional family, that's not that's not how things are anymore. You're, it's, it's old. Well, I'm glad that the story resonated because it certainly did with us. And, you know, we, we do like to pick stories that we think are going to. Uh, strike a chord with the audience. Uh, we, look, we've been doing this for over 300 episodes, and we we like to think that we have a connection with you guys, and we we pick stories that are going to uh, strike a nerve, whether it be positive or bring out the fucks in you. <laughs> you know what I mean? So <laughs> yeah, yeah, good. All right, well let's uh, let's read a voicemail. Let's read an email. We don't read voicemails on this show, Brittany. Mm-hmm. If we tried to do that, the the Google Translate thing. It would be a nightmare. Yes. This is from Aaron from Arizona. Hello, Brittany and Jesse. I'm an avid listener, and until the rise of Emperor Trump, I was a lifelong Republican. I know. 
gross. Being raised in rural Arizona, I didn't have much opportunity for free thought. The last year or so in American politics finally pushed me away from my upbringing. When Trump was just a mediocre real estate developer slash game show host, my mom would comment about what a creep he was. When he entered the presidential race, her feelings were the same, and she backed some of the religious nuts. As soon as he won the primary, things shifted, and now I'm pretty sure my own mother would S his D. (laughs) (laughs) I can't understand this tribalism and the hypocrisy that so often comes along with it. I heard Sam Harris say that if Trump weren't so bad, he'd seem much worse. That just may be true. He doesn't give us enough time to process one piece of crazy before blasting us with another. I try to take mental notes, but the amount of crazy is too vast to remember at all. I agree with that. The latest bit of nonsense concerns his old pal Mike Flynn, who now wants immunity. I love it. This is the guy who says, if you ask for immunity, it's probably because you committed a crime. What really grinds my gears, though, is the statement from his lawyer basically saying he did nothing wrong, but he wants to be safe in this current, quote, political witch hunt environment. Who's hunting witches? The same people who were doing the Lord's work when pursuing investigation of Hillary's emails, curiously reopening the investigation the week before the election. He had no problem with that witch hunt rather led the, quote, lock her up bullshit. Now he has the balls to claim unfair treatment when he's the subject of the investigation. To quote Will Ferrell in Zoolander, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. Keep up the good work. I can't wait until I hear you guys three times a week. Aaron. Very, very good. You know, it's a good email when Will Ferrell gets quoted Uh from Zoolander. Yes. (laughs) Look, I agree. I think... For me, what struck me most about the email and what you said, Aaron, is the amount of crazy, is the amount of nuttiness that goes on. It is hard to keep track unless you have an off the charts kind of memory. It's impossible to store it all because it's many, many things on a daily basis that are not normal. It is anything but standard operating procedure here with the Trump administration from the president on down. Right. And I actually heard Sam Harris say that again today on his most recent podcast where he said that if he weren't so bad, he'd seem much worse, which just means that he's so bad, it's almost disorienting. Yeah. We don't know what to do with it because he's just constantly lying. That's right. It normalizes that. Like there's a new water level the the water table is normally at you know six feet well now it's at 20 feet and that's just the new normal so you just kind of adjust to it right it's it is it's it's disorienting that's perfect yeah constantly lying just constant well thanks for the thanks for the the email aaron and and steven we appreciate the voicemail let's uh let's take another call and then we'll get to some more emails hey jesse hey Brittany. it's Emma from Minnesota, and uh, I just watched a clip from CNN. I don't know if you guys saw this, but one of their reporters did an interview with Trump supporters grading his performance so far, and of course, they all gave him A's and one guy gave a B because, quote, he doesn't give A's. And <laughs> He's what one of those surprised guys. me about it was 
they all seemed like normal people. They didn't see like they were hicks from the farm or people you would obviously think support Trump. These were people that had their lives together and they weren't really old and they they didn't seem unreasonable but then they opened their mouths and it was just mental gymnastics the way they were able to justify his behavior because all this reporter asked them after they gave their grade was why do you say that and they just weren't able to give in understandable explanation. The only thing that was consistent was that they kept saying that he's trying to fulfill his promises and that's good enough for them. And it appeared to be the case that just like Trump, they were still riding that wave of victory and that no matter what he did, they were going to give him an A. And it just makes me sad that um, so many people, somewhat intelligent people, aren't getting it and they still don't seem to understand what's happening. Anyway, love the show, guys. Bye. So it, this is kind of the same thing that, that Aaron was talking about from Arizona, about the the, the in-group, out-group thing, the team thing. And look, Democrats, liberals, they're not immune from it. Right, they have this going on too. People still defend uh, Bill Clinton like he didn't do anything fucking wrong. Mm -hmm. Bill Clinton is a terrible, terrible person. Bill Clinton would have, if he had been a college professor, would have been fired for what he did with Monica Lewinsky. Well, on both sides, you have this vulnerability to admitting flaws because it's almost as though if you admit the flaw, then that means you're wrong. That's right. Then yeah. you're ruining your own case. Yeah. But that shouldn't be the situation. It should be this even-handed, reasonable discussion where, listen, nobody's perfect. No candidate is perfect. No side is perfect. And we need to talk about these issues without this fear of being wrong yeah. or offending our, our in-group. Yeah. Right. No. I, yeah. And when she said that she was shocked by watching this clip because they all seemed like normal people, <laughs> I think this is part of the problem too, where we imagine the other side, and this isn't just liberals that do this. This is also conservatives that sure. imagine liberals. Remember Ainsley Earhart? Liberals. Yeah. Every time <laughs> they say the word, like they're gonna spew venom. <laughs> Well, she she expects when when she flips on and they're they're asking these people to grade. Yeah, she's expecting when they open their mouths. Donald Trump, right, baby? Yeah, right. We got some Hillary bitches on here, <laughs> and that's just not the case. Come on, and, well, no, there that is the case. There oh. are people like that, of but there's no. also it's not the vast majority. But though. there's also reasonable people that, like she said, just don't really know what they're talking about, or that do know what they're talking about. That's that's the case, too. They're just siding up with their team. Yeah. So The Righteous Mind, Why Good People Are Divided by Politics and Religion. It's a book by Jonathan Haidt. 
And I would recommend that everybody read it because it's really good based on research, his research, a lot of it. And there's a quote from the book that I want to read because when I read the book a couple years ago, it really resonated with me. Is it from Zoolander? No. (laughs) (laughs) It's from the book. Uh, I had escaped my prior partisan mindset, reject first, ask rhetorical questions later, and began to think about liberal and conservative policies as manifestations of deeply conflicting but equally heartfelt visions of a good society. That's from Will Ferrell in the movie Elf. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I think that largely this is true. Of course, you have exceptions where people are not placing emphasis on human rights they are in favor of oppressing gays or other communities. Well, even if they're not in favor, it's not a deal breaker for them. Right. Yeah. And and that's a problem. Absolutely and, and then you have flat out white nationalists and racists. Right. And that's obviously not just uh, a deeply conflicting, equally heartfelt vision. You know, obviously that is not the case. But there are people who just have conservative views. Sure. And... They are good people. I and they hold, are reasonable people. I hold many conservative views. Right. Still. Yeah. But it doesn't derail the that decency gene in me as I throw my pen all over the place. It doesn't derail that, that decency gene in me that I think a lot of these people, they either suppress or just don't fucking have it all together. Yeah. Which uh, comes along with the civil rights and the equality and Black Lives Matter and and uh, LGBT issues. Yeah, they they don't hold that in, in as high of esteem as they should. Being liberty people, being freedom people. Well, and it's easier to go, oh, what's your political affiliation? Oh, okay, you're not what I am. Disregard. Yeah. It's easy to do that. What's more difficult is to have a conversation, figure out. What does that label mean that that person is putting on themselves? Is it what you think it means or does it mean something different? Um, And you've had this experience, too, where you have told someone you are generally conservative and they had a very negative reaction to you on their face, thinking that it meant you are racist, you are anti-LGBT. And this was several years ago when you were identifying as more of a conservative. Sure. Yeah. But but you didn't hold those views still. And so that kind of stuff is a problem where we're not waiting to make the judgment, where, where we, we judge first and don't even try to make an assessment. That's right. Don't even try to parse the issue out. Uh, and we're all guilty of it. Oh, for sure. I'm guilty of it. And I'm every day I work a little bit at trying to rid myself of that particular trait because it's, it's not helpful. Well, like I said, it's easy. Yeah, absolutely. So we are more drawn <laughs> to what's easy, right? Sure. So Tim wrote something. Okay. Can I go to what Tim wrote? Absolutely. I would like to bring up the point that while I did not support John McCain or Mitt Romney, I did believe that they at least bring respect to the office, unlike Comrade Candycorn, who has disrespected the sanctity <laughs> of the office. That, holy shit. Comrade candy corn. Can I, that is for me. That's that's the best because a candy corn is orange and then yellow on top, like like a Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. Holy shit! I, I hope Tim uh, came up with that himself. Yeah, 
I mean, even if you plagiarized it, fuck, good for you, brother. That is that is good to go. Tim should be proud because it seems like Jesse wants to S your D right now. S and the D of the Comrade Candy Corn. S comment. and the D, yeah. Pretty great. Yes. But to the point, I agree with that. And again, it's something that even, you know, Bill Maher is a guy who talks about that, that he would give Mitt Romney a million dollars right now if he could be president because. It, it, these are different times. Donald Trump is not a conventional cat, you know. Well, also, that point goes to support what we were just talking about with why good people are divided by politics and religion, right? Mitt Romney, we only know this because of hindsight, isn't so bad, right? That's right. There well, were more points of agreement with him as a man and his politics compared to Donald Trump. Compared to Donald Trump. But even so, you don't need the comparison to know that he's more reasonable. Right. It's just that political motivations override that ability to see that at the at the time. Yeah. Hopefully, moving forward in, in future elections, it won't be the case so much, though. I mean, we're human, so I think it's it's likely that that will be the case. But I think we need to all do a better job of working against that instinct. I think we have one more email. Raina. Hey, Brittany and Jesse. Just wanted to give you guys my thoughts on Michael Flynn requesting immunity in exchange for his testimony regarding the investigation into the Trump campaign. I think it is alarming and concerning that a former national security advisor would request immunity in relation to either his own actions or the actions of the president. It also reeks of hypocrisy that is as egregious as it gets. Michael Flynn himself stated that if a person asked for immunity, they probably committed a crime. (laughs) Now we know that Michael Flynn is no legal eagle and neither am I obviously. So I defer to those who are, I have a few friends that are attorneys and they told me that while requests for deals are common, it is highly unusual for a quote unquote witness to specifically make an unsolicited request for immunity. This suggests to me that either Michael Flynn committed a crime himself or has knowledge of a crime being committed, which would make him an accessory to said crime, which would in turn make criminal prosecution not only possible, but likely. I'm not a psychic or anything like that, but I instinctively feel like this is going to end with a lot of people going to jail. And this request by Michael Flynn is his attempt to not be among them. However, I'm very interested in what he has to say regarding the Trump campaign and possible collusion. When it started, who was involved, what was involved, when the collusion started and ended, and how far into the government the collusion exists. These are all questions the American people want and deserve to know. And unfortunately for Donald Trump and his casual relationship with reality and objective truth, (laughs) these questions and investigations are real and the truth will come out. Love both you guys. You are both the greatest part. Dudes, dudes, yeah, little, little, uh, little S on me, little, little throwback to last episode when you, you called me a dude, yeah, before the show. Sometimes Listen, things happen. There's a lot there to unpack, and we're gonna get to all of that. So, thank you for the email. I agree with everything. It's a good summary, and for sure, a good summary. It's also a good launch in to what we're gonna talk about, uh, in the Dollarocracy segment, which is starting. Right after this. Support for I Doubt It with Dollamore comes from generous, engaged, intelligent, and good-looking listeners like yourself by way of Patreon. You can contribute per episode as much or as little as you'd like. Comforted by the knowledge that you're within your budget 
and helping move the conversation forward one podcast at a time. If you too would like to become a supporter, please visit patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dolomore. So that mid-roll is no longer accurate. We're going to have to change that shit. Yeah, because you can no longer donate per episode. Why, you ask? Well, we've made things a lot easier for you. It is streamlined. It is so much easier for you. As fuck. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So on Patreon, patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore. It's now a monthly donation. That's right. Way easier. Yeah. You don't have to go in, set how much you want to give per episode, set your monthly maximum. None of that. It's a monthly donation now. What this means, if you're currently a patron, you should go Listen to the patron-only little episode that we put out to explain the changes, but I'm going to review them real quick here. If you were giving, let's say, 50 cents per episode, that is now what you're giving per month. So if you would like to adjust what you're giving, since it's no longer on a per-episode basis, you just need to go in, update, and it will change to monthly, and we will love you so much. We already do. We already do. <laughs> but we will have just so much love. Listen, we, ch- we changed this because we we're getting a lot of feedback, a lot of pushback on the per episode thing. Well, we took a vote, too. Yeah. And a lot of people were like, yeah, monthly would be way easier. Yeah. It's just it's too complicated. Yeah, you know, we do eight episodes. So and now, you know, we're wanting to do we're wanting to do 10 episodes a month. You know, we're trying to do this is not a guarantee because. Sometimes it's hard to line up people to come on this show who are running for Congress and shit like that. Right. I'm kind of a fiery guy, and they listen to that. Eh, I don't want to distance myself from that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so our goal is basically eight episodes a month and two bonus episodes a month. As much as we can. And Sometimes three, there'll be more. Prior to the changeover, we were very close to adding our third episode. So now that we're changing over... We still want to be close to adding that third episode, but of course, the per month number went down because it's no longer monthly donation basis. It'll it'll come back once the patrons jump in there and change their their because your your per episode pledge got switched over to your monthly pledge, and you just need to go back in and readjust it. But here is, and then we're going to get off this and move on with the show. But he, here's the thing that I think is going to be great for the show is the fact that now. You can give a dollar per month when you couldn't before. Right. Because they didn't take 25 cent donations. Yeah. So now, like if a thousand listeners gave a dollar a month, we'd be, th- that was a snap. Did it come across? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it did. We would be there. We would be at, 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 at a third episode a week. Right. So it's very, very little. A dollar, two dollars a month would be spectacular. Listen, we love you whether or not you donate. Our audience is the most important thing to us. And we're kind of having to figure out, oh, all the other thing. Apparently, Patreon has an app that you can download. Yeah. And it's super functional. I got told today that they got alerted with the email saying they needed to change the thing we sent out. Mm -hmm. And they did everything right on the app. So if you have an iPhone, if you have a Google device, whatever... Go find the Patreon app. Apparently, it's real easy. So we love you guys. Thank you so much. Dilemocracy. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Jesse is shaking his head at me because I keep swishing my drink 
with ice. You, a lot of a swishing of the ice. I am trying to do it under the table and quietly. Well, what happens? I we all we both have headphones on. We're monitoring what happens in the show. Otherwise, yeah. we couldn't hear the clips and all the bullshit that we play. Uh huh. Bullshit meaning real good stuff. Other things than the voicemails because those are the most important uh-huh. things. And I hear it in my headphones. So if I'm hearing it, they must be hearing it too. Okay. Well, I'm sorry. I'm trying to ensure that my whiskey just, just is act like a pro. I don't want it to have water on top. I it's want it to have. It's not going to. The ice keeps it all jingled up. No, it doesn't. I, I have to jingle it up in God order to damn. have it be jingled up. All right. Yeah. Moving on, everybody. <laughs> I did it right next to the microphone just to piss him off. <laughs> <laughs> Last time, two episodes ago, it might have even been three episodes ago, we we alluded to a topic that we avoided talking about because it was not substantiated enough. And although, listen, I I think I've talked about this on the show that I'm... Uh, it's no surprise, it's no secret that I have a seething hatred for Donald Trump. We are decidedly an anti-Donald Trump podcast. However, we still want to bring you real information. Not just conjecture. Not just rumor. We want to be a source of valid, verifiable information. For our, our audience. So we avoided the topic. God damn, I'm just running off at of the mouth here. So there's a woman named Juliette Kayam. She's a Harvard professor. Uh, she is a former intelligence official. She's an expert in the field. And on CNN, she was on a panel, one of those panels where they fill the entire screen with a bunch of people. And she was talking about this entire Russia thing. This is how it went down. Uh, Juliette an intelligence source is telling CNN that his move was a suicide bomb designed to destroy the Russian investigation. What do you what do you say to that? It certainly looks that way, whether that was his intention or not, because no one can look at this committee as formed as being objective. Um, I will agree with Mark, though. I mean, I have much more confidence in the Senate investigation. They also have subpoena power. And then, of course, let's not forget there's an FBI investigation, which it does not have to, you know, align around politics, which a lot, you know, with a hundred agents, that's a lot of agents looking into this information. So uh, the House will continue and it will, unfortunately, I think, just given what Nunes did this week, uh, be... Um, difficult to take seriously. But there's another piece that came out today that Nunes said, which for me was the jaw dropper, when he said that now um, Carter Page, Manafort, and Roger Stone are all agreeing to talk somewhere sometime to the committee. That may seem interesting. It's not that interesting to me um, because I don't think they'll be under oath. Uh, but the name that's not mentioned is a name I mention often on the show, Mike Flynn, the former National Security Advisor. Um, it is starting to look like, from, a, from my sources, and then also from open reporting that Mike Flynn is the one who may have a deal with the FBI and that's why we have not heard from him uh, for some time. Can I ask if you something? If that is true, this... Go yeah. on, go on, finish your thought. Let her finish, finish your thought. 
No, it, it, if that is true, and it's just just one has to look at, there's four names and three of them are willing to talk voluntarily. So, um, but if that is true, then there is someone who was high up in the team. He wasn't a mere volunteer um, and was the national security advisor for some time, um, whose um, uh, dealings with Turkey at one stage and then, of course, with Russia have come under suspicion. And, I, and as I've said before on the show with Jason and others, there's a lot of dots. I am not at collusion yet. I am, I, you know, but on a scale from zero to 10, it's hard to be anywhere under six at this stage. Can I ask you something? Much, Can I ask you something, Juliet? So I, I heard, I heard yeah. this during the, uh, remember the Comey, Comey letter and the investigation yeah. and Hillary Clinton? Democrats would say, Hillary Clinton is not under investigation. Jason is saying the president is not under investigation. What, who's under investigation here? Is the president well, under investigation? I don't know where Jason, I mean, I don't, I don't, we've been told by the yeah, FBI no that, answer. that no the answer. That the let her, let her wait, answer. wait, 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 let, Jason, Jason. So we've been told by the FBI so far that the president isn't specifically under investigation. But wait, we have also been told by Comey, and this is what we know so far, so I'm not speculating here, I'm not a conspiracy theorist, uh, that the investigation uh, does involve people in, uh, related to the Trump campaign. We don't know who those people are, but we've all heard the same names, um, and their potential dealings uh, with uh, the Russians leading up to the campaign, including the most important thing, which is, of course, the the when was the release and did the Trump campaign know the release of the WikiLeaks um, emails? Okay. This there's no evidence. There's no evidence whatsoever while. of any wrongdoing. No, Jason, Jason, you, Jason, Jason, one second. As I said, you don't have to be a collusion. It is just as an investigation unfolds over time, a national security investigation unfolds in time. It takes time. People who didn't talk uh, at some stage will talk later on. And the problem with what Nunes is doing is he's trying to get to the end before any of the investigators are there. That's all. Okay. I'm not at collusion. I'm not saying Trump should go to jail. I've got it. But just let this I... unfold. So Juliet Kayyem is someone that I've for a long time not been a big fan of. Mm -hmm. Because for me, she's a little too metered, let's say. And I'm being very generous there. She doesn't draw what I believe to be obvious conclusions. Hmm. So when she did this, that is why we postponed talking about it. Because I just wasn't, I wasn't there yet. And Brittany really urged me to... Eh, we're going to hold off. We're not really going to bring this to the audience yet. Yeah. I mean, we didn't hold off entirely, though, because you did tweet it on the Facebook page. You didn't tweet it on the Facebook page. You put it on the Facebook page and you put it on Twitter. But we just didn't talk about it on the show. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I can I can have my own private life, Brittany Page. That's... I can have my own social media. That's, it's not on the show. I'm talking about the show's page. <laughs> that's what I'm talking about. So... The most important aspect of what she said was this. But there's another piece that came out today that Nunes said, which for me was the jaw dropper, when he said that now um, Carter Page, Manafort, and Roger Stone are all agreeing to talk somewhere sometime to the committee. That may seem interesting. It's not that interesting to me um, because I don't think they'll be under oath. Uh, but the name that's not mentioned is a name I mention often on the show, Mike Flynn, the former national security advisor. Um, it is starting to look like from from my sources and then also from open reporting that Mike Flynn is the one who may have a deal with the FBI and that's why we have not heard from him uh, for some time. Can I so the Wall Street Journal just that was almost two weeks ago this Juliet Kayam clip the Wall Street Journal 
early in the week did some phenomenal reporting and they reported that it is the case. Mike Flynn was shopping an immunity deal with both House and Senate intelligence committees as well as the FBI and the Justice Department. President Trump's fired national security advisor, Michael Flynn, offering to testify before congressional investigators if he gets immunity from prosecution. Flynn's lawyer saying in a statement, General Flynn certainly has a story to tell, and he very much wants to tell it should the circumstances permit. No reasonable person who has the benefit of advice from counsel would submit to questioning in such a highly politicized witch hunt environment without assurances against unfair prosecution. Flynn's lawyer saying discussions with both House and Senate committees have taken place, but so far the offer has not been accepted. The Trump administration is already battling allegations of collusion amid probes in both the House and Senate about Russia's meddling in the U.S. election. The White House declining to comment about the Flynn news, as Flynn's own words from last year about Hillary Clinton loom large over his potential testimony. The very last thing that John Podesta just said is no individual too big to jail. That should include people like Hillary Clinton. I mean, five people around her have had have been given immunity to include her former chief of staff. When you are given immunity, that means that you've probably committed a crime. Then candidate Trump echoing Flynn's words. And if you're not guilty of a crime, what do you need immunity for, right? For weeks, House and Senate investigators have expressed interest in speaking with Flynn, in addition to at least three other former Trump associates. I think it's safe to say that we have had conversations with a lot of people. And uh, you would think less of us if, if General Flynn wasn't in that list. The retired general was forced to resign less than a month into Trump's presidency after admitting he misled Vice President Mike Pence about the nature of his contacts with Russian Ambassador Sergei Kislyak. Flynn's firing coming only after intense media scrutiny about Flynn's account. And weeks after the Justice Department warned the administration that Flynn may have opened himself up to blackmail. But even after forcing Flynn out, the president praising his former advisor. General Flynn is a wonderful man. I think he's been treated very, very unfairly by the media. Do you think that Kislyak drinks Meritage? Kislyak? <laughs> it's like the other day when, when Anderson Cooper was saying nefarious. It's nefarious. <laughs> I mean, honestly, who am I to criticize the way that she said that name? Pot calling the kettles, what's happening? Seriously. And right. also, I don't say Meritage like that. Okay, so... Michael Flynn, real cool guy. He, when, when I hear him talk now about Hillary Clinton, I just think, oh, these are talking points that were delivered to him yeah. straight from Russia to discredit Hillary Clinton. That's sure. all I think. Right. And this was further reinforced. Which very well could be the case. It was further reinforced, that idea I have in my head, this weekend when it was reported that he failed to disclose until this weekend Money he had received from RT. RT, Russia Today, which is a state-owned media outlet and television network owned by the Kremlin. So effectively, he did not reveal, report earnings, thousands of dollars. $45,000. For 50 grand he didn't, he didn't, uh, he didn't um, acknowledge, he didn't report on his ethics report until two days ago. He also, he got the money 
for a speech that he gave at the network's 10th anniversary gala. Right. That's the one where he's sitting next to murderer Vladimir Putin. Again, it's concerning that these people are going to these Russian celebrations. Yeah. Shit, our Secretary of State, the highest civilian honor for a foreigner. The, the, the medal of friendship or what the fuck ever. Are you talking about Rex Tillerson? Yes. Who now doesn't want anyone to look him in the eye? Yes. Ugh. God damn. And doesn't allow the media to travel with him, even though he said that he would. So anyway. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sean Spicer was questioned about this. And of course, you know, the, 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 the new line from Trump is, we think he should testify. Yeah. Go out there. Get that immunity. Testify all you want. Which to me... Seems like a smokescreen. Uh, Sean, we heard from the president this morning saying that Mike Flynn should ask for immunity. We also know the president has longstanding views on what immunity means. I mean, back in September, he said, if you are guilty of a crime, what do you need immunity for? So does the president think that Mike Flynn is guilty of a crime? I think Mike, he believes that, that Mike Flynn should go testify. He thinks that he should go up there uh, and do what he has to do to get the story out. With or without immunity? Well, I mean, that's up to him and his lawyer to decide. I'm not going to give Mike uh, Mike Flynn or anyone else legal advice from the podium, but I will tell you that the president's view is he should go up there, he should testify. But the president gave legal advice from his Twitter account. He said Mike I, I Flynn know, but the interesting ask job, for immunity. Right, and I, and I, I and understand. he has said in the past that the only reason you ask for immunity is if you commit Right, a but I think that the underlying point... That's the most infuriating thing that Sean Spicer does in these press briefings, is not allow them to finish asking their question. He wants to shut down the question because it's just the question themselves are damning. Right. And then he cuts them off and tries to use his subterfuge to to misdirect and derail the entire conversation. He does that quite often where he'll even say, oh, I know what you're going to ask. Right. And just start talking. Yeah that you're missing Jonathan respectfully is that what he's asking is go testify go get it out there do what you have to do to get there and tell Congress and tell everyone exactly what we've been saying for a long time so I mean again again I get your point but I, I think that the interesting thing is if you actually stop for a second and realize what the president's doing is that he's saying do whatever you have to do to go up to make it clear what happened take whatever precaution you want or however your legal counsel advises you but again the 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 you know, I, I've heard in some legal circles that the president could have exerted legal authority with him and Sally Yates and others. It's quite the opposite. And again, I think that that, compared to the narrative that you hear from, from a lot of the folks in this room all the time, is a little bit opposite. Here you have a president who is telling uh, Mike Flynn and others to go up there, make sure, in fact, we, we talked about the other day with members of the administration that the president, we've made, volunteered. Uh, this doesn't look at an administration that's not doing everything it can to get to the bottom of this in, in the appropriate way. And I think that that is an important distinction that has been lost on God a lot of God damn. So here's the deal. The question he's not answering, that he is doing everything he can to not answer, is the president has said in the past, in no uncertain terms, that if you need to seek immunity, if you get immunity in exchange for your testimony... You have committed a crime. Mike Flynn has said as much too. And the question was, if the president is encouraging him to get immunity, based on his prior statements, is he admitting that Mike Flynn committed a crime? An answer to which we did not get from Sean Spicer. Here's Adam Schiff. 
Congressman of California, the ranking member on the House Intelligence Committee, he's a little skeptical whether Flynn is going to get immunity at all. So let me ask you about General Flynn. He says, his lawyer says at least, that he's willing to testify before your committee if he's given immunity. President Trump seemed to voice support for this, tweeting, quote, Mike Flynn should ask for immunity in that this is a witch hunt excuse for big election loss by media and Dems of historic proportion. Flynn's lawyer says that General Flynn has a story to tell congressmen. What would it take for the committee to give him immunity? Well, I think we start out with a very healthy skepticism. Uh, we know from the filings that were dumped by the White House on Friday uh, that General Flynn failed to report the uh, money that he received from that RT propaganda arm of the Kremlin, as well as two other Russian entities. Uh, we also have requested the background security documents uh, that General Flynn filled out to find out whether he similarly failed to disclose uh, work that he was doing uh, as uh, a financial agent of a foreign power or, or receiving financial support from a foreign power. Uh, and, of course, there's the issue of whether General Men, uh, Flynn made false statements uh, that would also expose him to liability. So there's a lot we need to learn before entertaining anything like this. Uh, there's a lot we need to learn from other witnesses. But I start out, I think, with a very healthy skepticism. A skepticism that he has anything worth sharing? Well, what is the skepticism about? Well, the skepticism is, you know, we'll need to consult with the Justice Department. They obviously have a lot of equities here. Uh, we don't want to do anything that will interfere in any case that the Justice Department may decide to bring. Uh, we also have to determine whether he really can add value to our investigation, whether we need him to learn information we can't learn from other sources. So it's very early, I think, even to be considering this. Uh, there's a lot more work that we need to do, and, and I think we're properly bringing a degree of skepticism along with us. What did you think about President Trump tweeting about the immunity deal? Some of the president's critics suggested that maybe he was signaling to the Justice Department or the FBI that they should uh, offer General Flynn such a, such a deal. Uh, you know, I, the, the president's pretty transparent in his tweets. I think he wanted to get across a message that uh, he's not afraid of what General Flynn has to say and basically daring the Congress to give him immunity. Uh, and then if we make a judgment that, no, we shouldn't be giving him immunity, the president can say we don't want his story to come out. So I think it was a strategic move by the president and a pretty transparent one. So there's a lot here relative to the immunity deal. I mean, it could be it very well could be that they are offering to testify and it's just a smokescreen. They're not really trying to testify. It also could be that they have nothing. I think that's unlikely. He was the national security advisor. He has deep ties to Russia, to Turkey, friend of Russia, and the Erdogan regime. So we're going to follow this and see where it lands. But it is, it is troubling, to say the least, the connections that the White House has to so many different, very problematic partners of Russia. It, that's, I think, about as lightly as I can put it. Well, this interview with JTAP on CNN went on, and Adam Schiff talked about Trump, and he really put it in a very artful way about what Trump is trying to do, both about this Mike Flynn thing, but also about the Devin Nunes thing, where he is just trying to distract from what is actually taking place and what the focus should be. He traveled to the White House to view uh, these documents that Chairman Nunes, uh, your Republican counterpart, has discussed um, and Nunes says that they suggest 
the raising of issues, issues that he has about incidental surveillance of Trump advisors, maybe even the president himself. The president has said he feels somewhat vindicated by what Nunes has said about these documents, although Nunes has said they do not show what the president claimed, a wiretap of Trump at Trump Tower. But now that you've seen these documents, can you understand why Chairman Nunes, Nunes uh, might have some issues uh, with the surveillance that was going on? Well, I can't go into the contents of the documents, Jake. Uh, I can't say I don't agree with the chairman's characterization, which is exactly why it's so important you don't share documents with just one person or even two uh, people. They need to be shared with both the full committees. But the most important thing people need to know about these documents is not classified. Uh, and it's a couple things. Uh, first, the uh, deputy assistant to the White House uh, informed me when I went to see them that these are exactly the same materials that were shown to the chairman. Uh, now, this is a very interesting point. How does the White House know that these are the same materials that were shown to the chairman if the White House wasn't aware what the chairman was being shown? Uh, and the second point was also made to me, and this is, I think, was also underscored by Sean Spicer, uh, and that is, uh, it was uh, told to me by the deputy assistant that uh, these materials were produced in the ordinary course of business. Well, the question for the White House and for Mr. Spicer is the ordinary course of whose business? Uh, because if these were produced either for or by the White House, then why all the subterfuge? There's nothing ordinary about the process that was used here at all. Uh, and, Jake, I think the answer may come from the president himself. And you can say a lot of things about the president, but one thing you cannot say is he's not subtle. Uh, and I think his tweets tell the story. And the story is... Look over there uh, at leaks and look over there at anything the Obama administration we can claim did wrong on incidental collection or anything else. But whatever you do, under no circumstances, look here at me or at Russia. I would tell people whenever they see the president use the word fake, it ought to set off alarm bells. Uh, and I, I think that's really uh, what's gone on here. This is another reason why it is problematic that um, Donald Trump wants more raw intelligence. Yes. This report came out this weekend that he doesn't want the analysis from intelligence communities. He wants more raw intelligence. Right, because he is a master of analyzing very complex intelligence reports. Right. <laughs> well, and apparently this, this raw intelligence was an emphasis or a... a a priority for Michael Flynn when he was the security advisor so that he's no longer there now. Right. And they want to follow the path that he was on, his, I guess. His people are still there, though. People who were put in place by Donald Trump and Mike Flynn are still there. And those are the people who fed this information to Devin Nunes. And so Adam Schiff, the guy you just heard talking with JTAP, is quoted in this article saying, the risk is that you request raw data to support a conclusion and you avoid seeing anything that contradicts it. We can already see we have a president-elect who has difficulty with facts that are at odds with the narrative that he wants to tell or diminish his achievements. And this is exactly the case. Not only does Donald Trump not understand how things work. Right. At a, a fundamental level, he does not understand. This is not his area of expertise. He might not have an area of expertise. Right. And he's going to use that information, I'm assuming, to just support his narrative. Right. In whatever way he can. We don't need that. Which is dangerous when you're in a position of power to order military strikes. Right. Right. 
It's problematic. Very, very problematic. So Sean Spicer was actually grilled about this issue, about Nunes and who let the people into the White House. Because a couple weeks ago when this came out, Nunes, he dismissed the story that, I'm sorry, Spicer just dismissed the story altogether that Nunes was there and said, it's, oh, this is, this doesn't pass the smell test or whatever. And Major Garrett, former Fox News, I think he's with ABC now, he really pressed him and said, well, that's what you said then. What's going on? I want to read to you something you said here at the podium on March 23rd when you originally asked if the White House might have had any role in providing information to Chairman Nunes. You first said it didn't make any sense to you, and you went on to say, and I'm quoting you here, I don't know why he, Chairman Nunes, would brief the Speaker and then come down here to brief us on something that we would have briefed him on. It doesn't seem to make a ton of sense, so I'm not aware of it, but it doesn't really pass the smell test. There's now reporting, which I can't tell if you're disputing or not, that identifies two people within this White House as the sources of this information. So I'm just trying to put these things together. Right. And Where you said that doesn't pass the smell test on March 23rd. Now there's reporting well, that I, I think again, within the White House that they were the sources of this. I'm just trying to put those two things together. Right. So number one, the first quote that you're reading, if you actually go back, I was responding to I, – I was very clear that I said, based on what Chairman Nunez has said – I believe okay. the following doesn't make sense. That, so I'm well, that's an important you've part. Of it. Something new since then. So please tell us. Right, what and you've again, learned. no, no, because again, Major, I, I've commented on this both yesterday and today that your obsession with who talked to whom and when is not the answer here. It should be the substance. In the same way that when you guys print a story with 18 anonymous sources, your obsession is the substance. It seems now that you continue to, to look at it from a backwards prism, which is, you know, what happened, who drove in what gate, who did they meet with, what were they wearing that day, as opposed to what's the underlying substance of this? Did something happen in the 2016 election? All right, I'm going to stop it there. The reason that those questions are important is because when you get down to the nitty-gritty what time was it when he was let in and by whom? You, you can't give general vagary in your answer. We want specifics. And then we would like to talk to those individuals too. But if we can't get down to that detail level, you're able to give vague bullshit answers that don't give really any information and they skirt around the real issue at hand here. So Spicer is being actually very evasive here and i think successfully so although it's not going to last for long it might last for this particular session of questions but these reporters are going to go back to the drawing board rephrase the question in a way that he's not going to be able to get away from Can't the process from your vantage point validate the importance of the substance well i think there's a review that we've asked for Probably force you told us that you're willing to look into and ask and questions about the process and provide us answers. And, and no, 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 no. I, I don't, don't, please don't put words in my mouth. I never said I would provide you answers. I said we would look into it. Our, the responsible thing for us to do is to provide the individuals and the committees who are doing the review the materials that they're looking for, or some of them. We don't know how many, what they're exactly looking for, what they've seen, and what they haven't. Our goal is to be as forthright as possible. They ask the intelligence or the, the intelligence communities and others in a March letter for information. We have decide we have are willing to provide them uh, with the information that we have, uh, the materials that we have come across, 
And I think that is an important step. Again, it is not our obligation is to make sure that a review is done both in the House and the Senate as we asked for a few weeks ago, not to make sure that we illegally leak out information to you. And when you say we have information, are you disputing the reports in the New York Times? I'm not commenting on the reports, Major. I just I just got asked the same well, question. You're saying we, so I'm just no, trying no, no. to find out their I, names. I'm saying no. We, the meaning NSC, the White House, is not White is not going to start confirming. For the first time. I, I get it. We are not going to start commenting on one-off anonymous sources uh, uh, that publications publish. If it were wrong, would you tell us? I'm not. Gonna, I'm not going to get into it. I, as I just said, I get it. How many times you can ask the same question? So this is a sinking ship. This is a damaged vessel here. They are doing their damnedest to not answer questions, to misdirect, and to obfuscate. And it's, look, it's, shit's starting to crash down all around them. We'll get into more detail next time about who these guys are who did let Devin Nunes in to the information that he already had. I mean, this is just, it's a, it's a cooperative effort on the part of the House Intelligence Committee chairman and the subject of his investigation. It would be like a prosecutor going to the criminal's office and giving him all the evidence that he has on him. It's, it's collusion between Devin Nunes and the White House. Devin Nunes, who was a part of the Trump transition team. Devin Nunes, who was investigating the Trump transition team, having been a former member of that same team. That's what doesn't pass the fucking smell test. Sean Spicer. All right. Well, moving on from this. Something kind of weird happened this week. And it, 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 the internet went crazy about it. And it was Mike Pence talking about how in, 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 in a business setting, he doesn't have dinner with ladies. And he doesn't go to events that have alcohol with them if his wife isn't there. Yeah. So the Washington Post ran a profile of Karen Pence and in it they talked about this quote that Mike Pence gave to The Hill in 2002. So we really don't know if this is still his policy but at one point this is what he said. If there's alcohol being served and people are being loose I want to have the best looking brunette in the room standing next to me. He said, unless his wife is there, he never eats alone with another woman or attends an event where alcohol is being served. So this would mean in a work setting, in a business, in a professional setting, that he surrounds himself with men. Yeah. So women, they don't get the opportunity, the same opportunity as men. Yeah. Well, I also love this quote, if there's alcohol being served and people are being loose, like everyone just can't wait to S the supervillains D. Oh, yeah. Like they just cannot <laughs> wait to get Mike Pence alone and get his dick right in their mouth. Yeah, they, yeah. What is wrong with him? And it's the ladies. He's not worried about dudes. Yeah. There's no, there's no gay Republicans. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, but this is really frustrating because conservatives have jumped on defending him. A lot of conservatives. Matt Walsh to be one of them. Yeah. And they're saying, wait a minute, women, you're upset with Mike Pence because he doesn't want to go out drinking with women? That's not what this is about. That's not what he said. You're taking the quote and you are 
<laughs> misrepresenting it. I don't know if it's intentional. I don't know if it's unintentional, but that's not what he's saying here. He's talking about attending an event where alcohol is being served. He's not saying, yeah, I don't go to bachelor parties. Like, I don't crash bachelor parties right. in Las Vegas. Right. He's Bach- saying... Bachelorette parties. Yeah, bachelorette parties. Where they're drinking from dick straws and stuff. Right. He's talking about <laughs> events where alcohol is being served. Now, how often are there work events on Capitol Hill or in these political circles where alcohol is being served? All the time. Of course. All the time. Listen, when you go to a fundraiser, there's alcohol there because people are more loose with their money. Hey, everybody, they're feeling good. I'm going to write you a check, brother. That's how it works. Right. And this whole, it exploded. And people were talking about a lot of congressmen who do this thing where they, after work kind of events, or if they're working late, they won't be, they won't, women won't be there. Yeah, like they won't have a female staffer working for them past certain hours because they don't even want the image of impropriety. And that boxes one of those women out from a promotion because let me tell you how it works. Anybody knows this. If you go out and have dinner with your boss, go have drinks with your boss after work, that's time where you get to bond on a personal level with that person. And if it's just a bunch of dudes sitting around watching the game and drinking some brewskis, getting loose, having some beers, drinking some whiskey, whatever, you bond with that person on a personal level. Right. And they're going to be more likely to, I know Johnson. I know that guy. Yeah. I spent some time with that guy. He's he's salt of the earth. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to promote him. Sally... I don't know her as well. Right. I'm closer to this guy. I know him better. So it puts women at a fucking disadvantage because mm-hmm. they get boxed out because it might not look right. Well, you're. it's also otherizing women. Like they're different. What, what do you mean by that? Otherizing. Like they're different and you huh. can't associate with them in a normal way that you do men. Oh, right, right, right. Why? That they're a threat even because... Yeah, that's on you if right. you feel that way. It's similar to... What's his name? The the, the guy who was talking about how uh, we shouldn't be surprised by these images of the female Marines because what happens when you put men and women together in these situations? It's just inevitable. Oh, uh, Brian, uh, Brian Fisher. Yeah, Brian Fisher. <laughs> it's a similar thing to that where... This is almost an indictment of Mike Pence. Like, he doesn't have self-control. Like, he needs to have his wife next to him. Or when people are getting loose... He's going to go fuck crazy. Yeah, he can't behave. It's going to be just a a, a finger-bang hurricane everywhere, (laughs) all over the fucking... The fundraiser. Yeah, and that's (laughs) that's concerning. But I've also had... I've also seen women tweeting, I'm trying to imagine what my career would look like if I had sworn off being around men they don't have the women don't have that luxury that the privilege of choosing to i'm sorry i'm not going to socially associate socially with men after work further (laughs) i wish they would do some sort of survey on this of how many men have had women come on to them right. come in on, work settings please. versus how many women have had men come on to them. I mean, listen, I'm I'm a little different because I'm super, super handsome. So women are just throwing themselves at me left and right, Brittany Page. Yeah. But I think for regular dudes, probably not as much as me. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I don't know, and I don't even know if that's a fair thing to say, but I know that... I think it's very fair. I know that in my experience... 
I have had to be very careful in my work situations and almost had to intentionally put distance between myself and yes. certain men that were in charge because there were issues. Well, you've had your ass slapped at work. You've had drunk bosses calling you. Mm-hmm. Come on over. Let's watch a movie. Uh, he didn't say that, but yeah. Well, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to in, uh, keep us in, in legal calm waters. Well, we're not saying who it is. All right. But yeah, I've had these situations and it's awkward. And I'm just, I'm not sure how often Mike Pence has had women come on to him at work where it's such a tremendous issue right. that he needs to have Karen Pence with him at all times to stop this from happening. It, it just, it got twisted by the right. Matt Walsh among them. If you don't know who he is, don't fucking worry about it. He's not important. Yeah, because listen. But he's if, a conservative blogger. I think he works for the Blaze now. Yeah, I also saw an article where someone wrote, that it's different to not go out with a particular woman that maybe you're attracted to and you know you shouldn't be around her alone or something or, or like that. Or you get that vibe that something might go down. Yeah, yeah, whatever it is. If you if someone is like a problem for you, okay, avoiding that person, okay, that's that's perfectly reasonable. Well, yes. But yeah. avoiding all women as a rule? Yeah. Well, it's again, it's the extreme. Rather than have a nuanced view about it, fucking Mike Pence. Sexiest man alive. Damn. (laughs) All right. All right. Well, we're going from one asshole to the next. It's the asshole of today. Bill (laughs) O'Reilly. Bill. Bill O'Reilly. That is Fox News banjo music right there. Yeah. So... Get this. Get a load of this one, everybody. (laughs) For nearly two decades, Bill O'Reilly has been Fox News' top asset, building the number one program in cable news for a network that has pulled in billions of dollars in revenue for its parent company, 21st Century Fox. Behind the scenes, the company has reportedly stood by Mr. O'Reilly, reading from the New York Times, as he faced a series of allegations of sexual harassment or other inappropriate behavior. An investigation by the New York Times has found a total of five women who have received payouts from either Bill O'Reilly or the company in exchange for agreeing to not pursue litigation or speak about their accusations against him. The agreements have totaled about $13 million. $13 million. And there's reportedly to other women that's what i was gonna go there that are coming forward now because of this report from emily Steele and michael schmidt and that's not actually not where i was gonna that's something different oh the the new york these five that they're talking about are only the ones they feel comfortable writing about there's actually others yeah but for whatever reason the new york times didn't feel comfortable including them in this story, look, we know Bill O'Reilly to be a wife-beating maniac. This is this is this is public record. A very contentious divorce where he there was domestic violence uh, allegations and like in front of the children, shit going down. Juliet Huddy is someone who used to work for Fox, who said that she, he called her out to his house. And when she got there, it, things weren't as he promised they would be. And it was more, 
you know, again, he thinks he's sexy guy. Yeah, well, listen to this. So With his fucking walrus waddle. So these women have... have it's like a turkey fucking neck going okay, on. Okay, I, I was wondering if that was a walrus that you... Well, I changed the turkey. Okay. Look, I can do what I want. My name's on the show, Brittany. Yeah, I can, so... I can change animals. Yeah. It's one of the... One of the few perks of being host of your own show. That was actually a phenomenal turkey noise. You like In that? fact, I there's some sort of website where you can go and just wait until Thanksgiving. I'll break it out again. Okay. They have com- <laughs> the women have complained <laughs> about a wide range of behavior. That's Bill O'Reilly calling in everybody, including verbal abuse, lewd comments, unwanted advances, and phone calls in which it sounded as if he was masturbating. Picture that, everybody. Bill O'Reilly calling you. Hey, Brittany. I can't do a jerk off. Yeah, don't stop. All right. Well, Brittany, yeah. Jesus Christ. I have a question for you. (laughs) I wish I could do the jerk off noise and the turkey noise simultaneously. I think everyone is horrified by what is happening right now. It's just everyone that's listening to the show right now is just. Bill O'Reilly, everybody. Depressed and sitting in silence. They're like, what was that Patreon thing? What do they need us to do? Yeah, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Um, <laughs> this is a whole different I can level. put this on a continuous loop. Okay, so, yeah. Bill O'Reilly. <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. I'm done. Doing some unfortunate things. And a new woman is coming forward, Dr. Wendy Walsh. She is on KFI. A conservative AM talk radio network here in Los Angeles. Yeah, she doesn't strike me as a conservative, but she is always on this show on... Um, She's like, on Gary and Shannon. Right. Which is the, the, the one we like uh, of their lineup. Yeah. Well, I like Bill Handel, too, if you're going to... Eh, anyway. Yeah. So she's coming forward saying that... You know, this is just this typical situation where Bill O'Reilly was kind of mentoring her, was helping her with her career, and then she refused to come to his hotel, and all of a sudden, that whole helping with the career thing was done, and things went sour. Right, again, so it's another moment where a man holds holds a woman hostage with sexuality, right. with a sex issue, and if she doesn't... It's a problem for her. So this sword cuts both ways. Where a woman, they're not invited. And then when they are, it's an offer. Hey, come fuck me. Or I'm not going to help you. Who really needs to be careful in this situation? Who needs to be (laughs) minding the situation of who they're around and what's going on? Is it Mike Pence? You need to be careful of the lights? Right, yeah. Or is it women? Yeah. Who, I mean, this is just speaking generally. Who are either iced out or used as objects of men's conquests. Right. So Bill O'Reilly has come forward and said, listen, I'm a notable figure and I'm vulnerable. Yeah, it's a bullshit. To these kinds of situations. And we settle because we don't have the time. We don't want to go through blah, blah, blah. That... It's, talk, it's, talk about not passing the smell test. It's similar to Bill Cosby, right? Where you could say, okay, I'm, I'm this rich guy. They just want money from me. They're coming and they're saying this. And all of a sudden, it's 40 plus women that are coming forward with the same story of you popping lewds and, yeah. you know. Jerking <laughs> off on their feet and shit. Yeah. Fucking it's, weirdo. It's too much. So when it. So many people start coming forward. You know, why isn't Jake Tapper being sued? 
That's right. No, yeah, exactly. He's also a notable figure sure. that makes a lot of money. Yeah. He's in the public eye. Why isn't Don Lemon being sued? Why John isn't King, Brian Chuck Stelter? Todd. Yeah, why right. aren't these people being sued? If it's even, just a notoriety even issue. Even fucking Hannity. Right. Why, is it, it, why haven't a bunch of women come out and said that he he walked his giant bobblehead into the room and wanted to get down on the snooch? If it's the a prominence issue, anyone who is in the public eye would be just as vulnerable. That's right. But that's not the case. He's not extra vulnerable because he's just so, so much more notable. Come on. Anyway... Definitely, I think, a a, a, a a worthy asshole of today. Well, also, Megyn Kelly was number two when she was on Fox after Bill O'Reilly. Yeah. They were competing for the number one and number two slots. Very prominent figure, that Megyn Kelly. Where are all of her accusations and right. lawsuits, sexual harassment? Right. It doesn't, it doesn't hold up. Not at all. All right, everybody. We're going to leave you there. We appreciate you. We love and... and, and cherish the relationship that we are building and, and have built over time. If you are a current Patreon supporter, go and adjust your per episode pledge to be whatever you want it to be for the monthly pledge. We are rapidly approaching having the next goal net where we add a third episode and we are we are eager to get that done. We are eager for all of the bonus content that we have uh, planned and that we are planning. And it's in the works. And we cannot do it without your support. If you are not yet a Patreon supporter, go check it out. Now's the time. We've streamlined it for you. Like I said, if only a few of you listeners would give a dollar or two per month. Wow, that would make a giant difference. There are several tiers. We have rewards. We've got stickers. Well, we do a Google Hangout call, and we would love to have you join us, partner with us to help move the conversation forward day by day. Thanks for joining us for today. We'll see you next time. For Brittany Page, I am Jesse Dollimore, and this has been I Doubt It. Well, those were effective fucks. Yes, effective fucks, Brittany. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>